0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is David Esau and the C-86 Show. And this is going to be about how special, because this is um, an interview I did with David J. Huskins last summer when he was doing some dates with Peter Murphy and also had also brought a book out, well his brother Kevin had also brought a book out on By so there was a lot of activity and this is the interview I thought um, let's just put the whole thing out there for your enjoyment and pleasure um, and I'll um, include a little bit at the beginning where I began by um, mentioning those fascinating facts. Anyway, this is it Enjoy, if you're a fan of Bauhaus, fill your boots, that's all I say. Yes, there's been quite a lot of activity on the Bauhaus front because um, it was, is it your brother Kevin, he did a book um, on the history or the sort of, the, the, the sort of um, early years of Bauhaus, so obviously um, from doing this show I realised that mostly bands have a sort of a moment and then they have a bit of a break and then they sort of come back and start doing things again, so has it sort of been a bit like that with you?
1: Yeah, sure. That 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 is the case. Yeah, I, I have to say that I preceded my brother's book with my own book called uh, "Who Killed Mister Moonlight?" Bauhaus, Black Magic, and Benediction, which is a uh, it's a memoir, but it's all pertaining to my experiences with Bauhaus.
0: Yeah, like
1: that it was published by uh, an English publisher, uh, Jawbone, a couple of years ago. It's in, in the third edition now. So yeah, there is that. But Kevin's book is good as well. It's more of a pictorial book, whereas mine is more, you know, prose.
0: Yes. And also, I mean... I mean, with I mean, with a lot of the bands I've been, you know, interviewing kind of over the last couple of years, I sort of noticed that they have this great kind of a five-year narrative of kind of getting together, creating a bit of a sound that gets them sort of a bit more attention than just their normal friends and family at the local club. You know, often John Peel back in the day would play a single that would kind of moment, give them that momentum, do a session, do an album, to do the tour, and things were generally yeah. quite good. So, what was kind of the narrative of, of Bauhaus in in those? Kind of early, uh, sort of post-punk period.
1: Well, you mentioned John Peel, and he was an early supporter and you know, a, a great, a great man. I loved John, and um, was a, a quite a, an aficionado. You know, like as far as listening to his his show went. So when we we were offered a session on that, that was really great. And um, and he would play our records. He was the first one to play "That Little Ghost Is Dead." And uh, yeah, that, that really in the band, and and we just w- kept digging, you know, going out and playing and endeavouring to challenge our audience whenever we could, and just push it and just m- make our mark in our own way. And we felt like we were very singular and different. There wasn't really any other bands around like us. The only band we really felt any kind of uh, affinity with was Joy Division. And Ian Curtis, in fact, came down to see us when we were playing a very early gig in London. Professed his his love for the band. Actually,
0: yes. that
1: was great. You know, affirmation from him. Yeah,
0: and also, I mean, I mean, did you have when you first when you began and you started those early rehearsals? Did you have a sort of an over a sort of a, an idea of the narrative of the band? You know you know not just the sound but also you know the kind of image and and the sort of like the vibe that you wanted to create well
1: we did but it was was pretty organic and natural and we didn't it was not like we discussed what we were going to wear on stage that's how we dressed but we did you know we were were aware that we were presenting some kind of an image and uh, which was really a culmination of our collective interest. Uh, but aesthetically, I mean, I, I brought what I brought to the band was, well, first of all, the name, Bauhaus, which has a certain cachet, of course, with it and a flavor. And and that era, the 1920s, um, in Europe was very influential, especially in the German culture, interestingly enough, as I'm in Berlin at the moment, but things like the German expressionist uh, film was a huge influence on us. Yes. In fact, the two, the two images on the Bela Lugosi's dead single are taken from two German expressionist films, the sorrow of Satan and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So I was well into all of that. Uh, and we also applied the kind of lighting that you would see in those films. and, and in film noir, and, and a lot of the directors of film noir came from German Expressionist movement, and they they moved to to the states during the war because sort of you know the Nazis coming in. Um, so that's a very stark white chiaroscuro, you know, like black and white, moody lighting was a big part of the presentation of the band.
0: Yes, because I remember David Bowie. I think after his kind of um, around the young Americans and station to station started to in, incorporate much more sort of st- stark kind of settings. And also quite interesting, yeah, sort but- of a, a couple of weeks ago, I came down to see Barry Humphreys, who was performing, I think, at the barbecue with Meow Meow. And they were doing music of the, the German Weimar. And um, that kind of 1920s, oh, right. 1930s that he was very obsessed with. Yes. And, you know, I've always been kind of curious and interested in myself. That kind of, like you said, that the kind of the pre-Nazi Germany, which kind of veered into yeah. you know, that that kind of odd, odd experience, both culturally and politically. And obviously, yeah. you know, had huge kind of yeah. repercussions around the world. So that was kind of interesting because I suppose it, yeah. it was like, Obviously, you grew up in Northampton, you know, and there was you, you you, know, you and your brother. Obviously, probably in the same house because you were a part of the family. I mean, did you sort of used to plot, you know, your sort of escape from from sort of the town and your background and and sort of onto the world of rock and roll? Absolutely, yeah. That was
1: the, that was the impetus, you know. Get out of the the mundanity of, of that existence. That's what in in the flat field is about, you know, to yes. to trans- transcend and 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 just really explore, you know, a, a vast the vast horizon that is there if you wish to claim it. Yeah, yeah. And and we were, you know, very pleased that we were able to do that and then to travel the world, you know, making our music and making a big impression on people. Yes. But But it's lasted, you know, for 40 years now.
0: I know. Well, you suddenly got a very big following. Um, And obviously, you know, there's one thing having a great band, but then there's something else to have a great front man. So obviously, finding Pete must have been, you know, that moment you thought, God, we've we've just hit the jackpot. Well,
1: the minute I saw Peter perform... When I wasn't actually in the band, Daniel just asked me to come down and, and check out this friend of his who uh, he'd asked to sing merely based on his incredibly good looks. You know, he had no idea that Peter could sing or that he was a performer or anything. He just thought he looks great. So I'll ask him to, to see if he could come down and, you know, be the, the front man. And I was blown away. I just knew I knew he was a star. And I told I told Daniel that quietly. Yes. And yeah, incre- incredible performer and a performer who has gained in artistry and stature over the years and has honed honed what is naturally there. And uh yeah, we were blessed to have him out the front. I mean it was double edged though, I have to say, because you never knew you never knew what you were gonna get with him. But like all the best front men you know, like Jim Morrison comes to mind. He walks on the, a razor's edge, you know, Peter, and he still does. And it, so it's that element of danger that's there and unpredictability. Ian Curtis had it as well, uh, partly through intention and partly because of his, met, his condition. But and Nick Cave, another, another example, uh, just brilliant you know performers front men but they all have that that element of danger yes and that's something you can't really you can't really affect you've, you've either got it or you haven't and peter has got it yes yeah, uh, certainly
0: and obviously you know the the thing cuz you know I've, I've, most bands have that five year period and 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 it's kind of bizarrely kind of like, oh, my God, it's really predictable. But you you also did have your five years, you know, the early active period. Did you sort of feel when it got to that kind of like 83 period that you, the, the writing was on the wall, that the band were going to split?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was all, all, always very um, tempestuous. You know, very volatile chemistry. And again, that's another thing that distinguishes great bands. They all have that. So it's very sparky, you know. Um, and it's really the vessel of the band could not contain the sulfurous, explosive chemicals that were bubbling away inside it. So it, it, that, it just exploded. Yes. And then, you know, you need you need a, a decade at least to get away from each other before you come, come back. In totality, I mean, we formed Love and Rockets a couple of years after Bauhaus, but without the element of Peter in the mix, it wasn't it wasn't as as um, volatile. It was a different thing. But as soon as you put Peter in there, that volatility comes back. And yeah, it's a special thing. But um, currently, I mean, I'm I'm playing with Peter and two other. Musicians John Andrews, and um, on guitar, and uh, Mark Slutsky on on drums, who are great, and they're like they're fans of the band, so they're very enthusiastic, but they're very accomplished musicians. So it's a really good balance. And Peter is in a very good, focused place at the moment. You know, yes. he still has that edge, but but it's it's focused. Yes. And we've gone on great. We did one gig in Mexico recently, and it was a, it was a great launch because it had a really good spirit to it and we had a, a very favorable reaction from the crowd and the press so that was a that was a nice um, yeah launch for the whole project and then we're touring extensively you know yes into next year so
0: it's but, uh, it's a big endeavor so was it kind of how did this kind of not this uh, not the the sort of reforming in sort of was it 2005? But this kind of recent one, how did that sort of come together? Was it your idea to, to make music with Pete again?
1: No, I was really surprised to hear from Peter out of the blue. Um, he had a residency booked at a club called The Chapel in San Francisco, and he was going to be playing em- practically everything that he'd done, including some Bauhaus at the end of it. And he asked me to, if I would play bass on the whole run. Um, and I say, well, I can't commit to the whole thing, but I'll play the Bad House ones, you know, I know those songs. So that's how that came about. But unfortunately, we've had to reschedule that three times now because Peter's had a problem getting a visa to get into the States. Uh, mainly because he's living in Istanbul and he's a Muslim and he's free to mercy. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully.
1: Nice. That will come through and we can play in America early next year.
0: Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, because i sort of used to, I still do love those kind of BBC four, you know, music rock documentaries of bands. And, you know, the, one of my favourite stories is uh, Fleetwood Mac. And you sort of get that feeling, you know, the current lineup, which is only about 40 years old, but Lindsay Buckingham managed to sort of get sacked from it or, or walked away from it, should I say. Something happened. Um, I mean, and obviously, you know, when they got back together again on many occasions after a bit of a break, there was always that tension of everybody looking a bit worried. Did you also, when you met Peter, mm. did you also have that feeling of like your heart slightly pounding and thinking, oh, dear, this, this could go either way, but deep breath time?
1: I, I absolutely had that before I met Peter. But then the minute I met him, that went away. Because I just, I in, instantly had the feeling like, he gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. He said, yeah, you're stuck with me again. <laughs> and I, I, it just had a good, there was a good feeling. Just I just felt good about it. And then we just, we didn't really talk much. We just played the set and it went great in the rehearsal. You know, we were actually rehearsing in an old opera house and we just played through the set and it was just like, 12 years was, yes, the day before.
0: Yes.
1: Because we hadn't seen each other in 12 years.
0: Yeah. And we
1: split up under very acrimonious terms. Uh, so it was, yeah, exactly as you described. But it, it that was assailed, as I say, straight away.
0: Yes. And obviously it's kind of strange because Kevin's got his kind of take on, on the sort of Bauhaus legacy obviously with the book that came out and also with the um, Tones on Tail with, and he's playing with uh, the other member of the band and you're playing with the other half of the band so he doesn't, do you ever think yeah, that yeah. Is, you couldn't have written this one if Hollywood had sort of wanted a script
1: Right <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit like that, yeah Because
0: obviously the two factions still playing the music and keeping the legacy, which obviously means a huge amount to yourselves, but also to the fans as well. Is it I mean, is it kind of easier because you're not having to bring this kind of huge juggernaut, which is called Bauhaus, which must have when you reformed in 2005, you must have thought, God, we could really blow this kind of fantastic narrative. I mean, because people often talk about reforming, you know, and I'm a huge Smiths fan fan but the one thing you never yeah. I think I think the one thing I never want in a million years is the band to reform it would just be a disaster but but if the individual members went and did things and sort of did it in a slightly this isn't really the real thing but this is a nice kind of um, alternative you know this is the best you're going to get other than the, yeah. than the sort of pretend bands I mean do you feel a little bit like the pressure's yeah. off because it's you and Pete and you can say we're playing the music of Bauhaus but we're not bringing this kind of legacy or this kind of package of Bauhaus.
1: Yeah, there is that, but there is, there's still pressure there because we have to deliver and we have to honour that legacy and we have to make it bloody good, you know, but with this band, one thing I really like about it is that Peter and I have been encouraging the other two players to not just to copy what's on the record, but to bring their own flavour and their own artistry to it and and. And that works really great. And it also helps, it keeps it alive, you know. So, especially with John, the guitar player, who's incredibly inventive and, and brilliant. And uh, the way he's interpreting the originals, but bringing his own character to bear, is, is makes it exciting again for, for me and Peter. Yes. So it, it's working really well.
0: Do you, have, has, yeah. it, has it felt... I mean, I know this sounds a bit um, sort of uh, a bit huggy, but do you, does it feel a bit like a um, a bit of a healing process? Not so much a closure, because obviously it's not closing, it's kind of continuing, but a form of like, oh, actually, you can look back on the, the first period up to 83. And then that second period with a little bit more light rather than sort of like the the heaviness of, yes, it all went slightly wrong and we haven't really been able to deal with it since then
1: that is a huge part of it for me it's reconciliatory and uh, yeah it yeah it's just a wonderful element to the whole thing
0: yeah yes well i and of... it
1: also that translates in the in the performance you know it's coming out being expressed in the performance so it it's it's got a lot of spirit to it it's yeah it's a good thing
0: yeah and it must be nice because obviously You know, when you go through those kind of experiences that you did... As a teen, late teen, and twenty, and you you did all that, and it was probably as I sort of realised talking to all these bands, it was a blur. Nobody really knew what was going on, and everyone was living the dream, but not really yeah. having a time to um, yeah. take stock of it and all the maturity, and and it all gets yeah. very messy. The exactly. dynamics of the band, the, sort yeah. of the the business side, the admin, the who who owns them, publishing. Nobody had given that a thought until it all yeah. explodes and, and in, exactly. in shra- shrapnel. So so obviously CMP yeah. in, a, in a much Better position, you know, again, it must feel like, oh, this is great. Otherwise, you're just going to expect the phone call or the email saying, you know, sort of, we've got some sad news and so and so's passed. You think, oh, God, I haven't seen him in three decades. And unfortunately, you know, I'll yeah. never be able to have that little moment. Because obviously, when you met him and you, you were able to smile, have a hug, yes. and say, can we just move on and play something really creative? Yeah, it must have yeah. felt like an amazing experience. That's a
1: very profound comment. And and that is exactly it, you know. Somebody one of, one of the fans wrote a line which I liked when it was announced that we were getting back together. And he said, uh, sometimes you bury the hatchet and you discover a gem.
0: Yes. That is a nice way of putting it, isn't it? And does it make, also yeah. when you look at, you know, Kevin's work with Pop Tone, actually it was it Pop Tone, was it not the Tells um, on Tone, um, you know, with his daughter playing, playing the music of, of sort of Bauhaus, does that also make it feel a lot more enjoyable, sort of feeling... I mean, you know, it's always a bit of a tricky one, but, but as much as we don't like to sort of have grudges or feel negative, you know, sometimes you can't help but think... Deep down, I feel really sort of irritated and, and slightly negative to somebody. But you realise that kind of hurts you more than it would hurt the other person, because actually they don't know that. You're just carrying around this negativity and and probably you know looking like you're frowning every time someone looks at you. Whereas actually realising that actually you can just move on. And rather than sort of feel sort of emotionally slightly bitter, you can sort of feel like wishing someone good luck is a lot nicer and having a a nice thought when you're just on your own is is a much more of a enjoyable place to be emotionally than it is when you're sort of feeling like tense and just going through conversations and sort of scenarios that happened decades ago.
1: When I saw uh, the announcement that that Popstone were playing and that that my niece, Diva, was playing bass, I immediately sent her a message, an email, you know, giving her my blessings and wishing her well that's how i felt about it
0: yes because interesting when i mentioned about the smiths the one thing that i would never want is them to reform but it would be nice as a fan that you kind of think the members can occasionally swap a nice email or get together i don't know around christmas just to have a have a cup of tea and a sort of mince pie and just say you know you know we did some good work you know and Let's just let go. Let go of those kind of problems because we were, we were all a bit sort of um, guilty of being a bit of a yeah. a bit of a knob at times, to put it you know, sort of. You know yeah, what I mean. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. It? That's very true. Yeah, yeah. What would you? I, I mean, I just
0: kind of lastly, what would agree. you say to your kind of eighteen year old self? You know, if you were able to sort of pass on some some wise wisdom after several decades in music. Hmm.
1: Um, I would say um, just, you know, try not to be so uptight, kid. Just like, it's okay. Just um, just, um, be present in the moment this is happening and appreciate the gift that it is because sometimes, you know, when you are that age, things are moving so fast and you are so just sort of self-conscious and uptight that you don't really savour it in the way that, you know, you can later on. So now, (laughs) you know, in one's dotage, (laughs) one can do exactly that, you know, and I'm really enjoying being able to do that.
0: But also... The other thing that I sort of notice from people talking to bands is that they feel a little bit more sort of um, light and and less kind of critical sure. of uh, other bands. You know that that at the time, you know, you kind of, yeah, uh, there was the mission. There was, you know, Sisters of Mercy. There was yeah. you know, all these You know, and there was a little bit of a bitter rivalness, though. Everybody probably it's combative. It. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you know, you look around it's and you think oh Competitive right. and combative. Yes. And then you look around and you think, Oh yeah. god, we're nice all trip. we're all still doing it in whatever capacity as we sort of slightly hobble on stage. But then once we get on stage and the first note hits, you <coughs> know, the, the pain <sighs> the pains go and you sort of <coughs> can rock. Do you do you sort of look back at the your kind of other bands from that period with sort of um a different viewpoint?
1: Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was really like you get that sort of gang mentality when you're young like that, you know, and it's like us against them and uh, it's competitive. And in, in a way that's good. Cause it's, you know, it's sort of like trying to like better the other bands, you know, And you know, we can do that better. <laughs> and, um, that, that is very true. And I've met up with, you know, some of those musicians recently who were like considered to be like, you know, competition and in the other corner, <laughs> and we have a laugh about it and get on great, you know.
0: Yes, and so, the great thing yeah, is that you good. know, three decades and a bit later, a lot of the people are still in the game and are still doing it. And, um, well, yeah, actually the interesting thing is quite a lot of people have quite enjoyed reforming, but are doing it much more of as a, almost a cottage industry because they don't really want to let their lives get too messed up or kind of disrupted again. But are just kind of enjoying it for the kind of just, the spirit of playing music and having the occasional gig, but um, which is a nice way to sort of launch yourself into the next, next decade or next phase of life, really.
1: Yeah. And it's also being in contact with the fans and just hearing from them. And this has been my experience playing solo because I've been playing a lot of living room shows more than other, any other kind of format. And I meet, I meet, people you know the the music lovers and they tell me what the music means to them and how they discovered it and how they still love it and i I really take that on on board now so and in the past it wasn't that wasn't the attitude at all especially when we first started again it was more like and nick cave says this it's sort of like we're sort of like going against the, the crowd you know it's just like winding them up and just like it's very um, aggressive. But now I appreciate how deeply the music has affected those people. And you want to give back and, and, and share it. And it becomes a much more positive experience. And uh, I know Nick, Nick is uh, experiencing that at the moment. And I mean, he's, what he's doing live, I've seen him many, many times. But what he's doing now is it's deeply moving and and incredibly powerful but and a lot of that is because it has this element of empathy and appreciation you know
0: yes well like yeah because one thing you don't realize when you're 18 or in your early 20s and there's several things that sort of get you you know one is your parents getting old and experiencing them sort of going through sort of old age and sort of Yes. Just hearing their stories and then getting old yourself and having to deal with various kind of ailments and illnesses and various things. And it kind of gives you that, you know, people have accidents and illness and obviously Nick Cave had his horrendous kind of incident in life when his son died. So you you know, it does change you. You can't be the same person. You're not you're no longer invincible. You no longer have comments about I don't care if I live or die because if someone just drops dead that you care about, you just think actually that last comment is really dumb (laughs) you know, it's like, I really do care yeah, yeah, different perspective, yeah it's it's an
1: informed perspective
0: yes, and you just realise you you know, we, we all, I think the thing is, we all carry around stuff that we don't, you know, you don't know what else is going on for somebody and when you were saying about the fans and empathy you realise that yeah it was quite easy to sort of look at them as well you just get you paid your five pound or whatever and and we'll try and sort of yeah yeah, sort of give you a bit of a difficult time you know this evening but when you get older and you've had to deal with various things you just feel like you need to give each other a hug (laughs) which is quite interesting so yes there you go well look David I've got quite a bit there but thank you ever so much for giving me your time and um, I really really hope that all goes well and I'm really pleased to hear that you know Pete's in such a great space as well which is fantastic so um, yes it's going to be fantastic anyway take care and thank you again All right.
1: well we'll see you in December
0: indeed this is good okay and I'll tell your PR person as well when this goes out but that'll be great thanks again
1: All right, David. All right, good questions. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.